is it okay or biblical to not want kids, as in biological? God has placed orphanage ministry in my heart rather than desiring my own kids. It's a wonderful question. Principles can help. Principles from Scripture. Truths that can help guide us. Ultimately, we are dependent upon the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit must guide us in any principle we take. So the principle of Scripture is that children are a heritage from the Lord. And so that's an important one. And so all things being equal, God wants kids. But this raises a really good question that if God chooses to do something different with a person like this, then that person needs to listen to that. Wouldn't you agree? That God can do it however he wants to. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. He can say what happens on the Sabbath. He's the God of creation. He can tell you and me how many kids to have or whether to have kids at all. Good question. This is a question for everybody, so we'll just pass the mic down. Um, It's, what was one book that was influential in your dating slash marriage development? Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk. Just a phenomenal book. It's, it's, it's really about relationships in general, um, but it's really about learning to relate in whole and healthy ways and becoming a whole person who understands boundaries um, and good communication. And just I highly recommend it to anyone, wherever you're at. Um, Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk has been a b- very big influential book for me. Well, I love the five love languages and just for every relationship with my mom, with my sisters, um, just learning how to love people well, I think has been influential for me. Yeah. That's actually one that we want to go through because that will certainly help just, you know, know those things, what each other's love languages are. Um, One that we actually started reading separately, but then started to talk about when we were first starting dating was Unmasked, actually. And um, what was the author? Jim. Yep. Who's coming. Who's coming. (laughs) So that was a good one that just broke down a lot of barriers and, you know, helped helped just have that conversation. So I was going to say that, too. So. (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) Um, the Bible. <laughs> and also you learn an awful lot just day by day. How old are we? How many years we've been married? And still, you know, still we're learning things like, oh, you, you like it that way? Oh, oh, you like potatoes? I thought you didn't like them. Or, I mean, life, you know, you grow and change. And so it's it's not boring. That's what I'll say. Cool. So I have a question. What is your best advice for dating singles with great potential for engagement? Well, I'm obviously not married, um, but um, I've been in a a couple serious relationships that didn't work. Um, Right now I'm dating someone else. My best advice is to get other people involved. And um, close friends, not friends that will just tell you what you want to hear, um, but close friends who know and want what's the best for you because they will give you input. And if you humble yourself and, and come before them and, and honestly say, what do you think about her? What do you think about him? Um, you know, getting a pastor involved, your parents, it's huge, um, will give you clarity um, in terms of progressing and moving forward. Um, now, it, I'm, it's possible, and I even have friends who, you know, decided to get married whose parents didn't approve and it turned out that you know there's you know reconciliation now is clearly a god thing but i think that's pretty rare 
And so, you know, moving forward with the approval of, of friends and family um, throughout the entire process is huge. So if you're at that stage and you don't have the approval of moving forward, um, you should really heart check that um, and, and wonder about that and really seek out that good communication. I was going to add on that kind of the opposite end of the spectrum to be wary of advice that you get from a lot of sources. I, you think you can get advice from <laughs> just anywhere, anywhere you can get advice. People are, people want to give advice all the time, but be wary of the sources that you actually take advice from because you can get really good advice from people like Paul. Um, and some people the, you just, you want to be careful of the advice you get. So to add to that one idea for you guys is have some people with a veto power in your life um and i I developed that after i dated somebody that nobody really liked and i trusted my own judgment more than them but turns out they were right um and so i have some really good trusted friends who i decided okay you guys have veto power use it wisely but if you don't approve of this person i will listen to you Oh, um, the question that I have is, um, what does it look like to celebrate the season you're in, whether married, dating, or single? Um, and I think that looks different for everybody. Every, everybody's so different, but for me, I love lists. Um, and so I've always made lists of, okay, what am I thankful for right now? And then setting goals and being intentional, I think is good too, um, just to live up the most if you're single it might be traveling or getting an education if you're married what are the things you want to accomplish in that so i that might be what i have to say in that anybody else on that one life is too short and too exciting to wish you were somewhere other than you are and and you'll miss it like how we most I've, I've thought about it a lot. A lot of the way that society calls us to live is actually to not live at all. It's actually telling us not to live. You know, even, even when it comes to, like, simple things, um, like, like just, like, normal problems in life, um, like, you, you know, you get a tear in your jeans. Well, either you look at that and you say, oh, man, i got to go to the store. You say, yeah, I get to experience life and learn how to sew, right? And, and, but really, like, how, how we decide to interact in the now is going to dictate the future. And so if, if we think that some future circumstance is going to change us or our happiness or, you know, or where we're at you know, on some level, um, it just won't, and, and you'll be disappointed. And if you can't, if you can't live life well um, at the stage you're at now, just a change of circumstances won't change because you're going to bring yourself into the new circumstance. And so learn in the season where you're at to live holy and live well and live joyfully with the Lord. And then in the next season that comes, you'll be in the same spot and you'll be ready for it. One word uh, in addition to that very good counsel. If you are single, that says only one thing about you. What does it say about you? That you're single. Okay, here's an... Kissing while dating. Should one wait to kiss till marriage? Let's take a vote. (laughs) Anybody want... How many think that's a good idea to... Everyone has to close their eyes first. No, how how anybody think it's a good idea to wait till marriage to uh, to kiss? Okay, how many don't think it's a good idea? Okay, here's my here again the, the other question. Uh, I'm glad no one is setting a principle down saying don't kiss till marriage. I am glad some people are not kissing till marriage. Those that have heard God speak that to them and are able to do that with grace. It's a wonderful thing. But if a person, if a couple hears that somebody else did that and tries to do it, and it becomes a, a real uh, chore and a law to them, it's not a good idea. So uh, Karen and I didn't choose that. When uh, we began uh, d- did, dating, 
dating. Uh, I said, here's what I will do, here's what I won't do. And if I cross the line, my my mentor will know about it. So I wanted to be accounts, uh, accountable, not just to her, but someone else, so that uh, I would hopefully not cross the line. I think it's a good idea if God leads you to do that. I don't think it's a good idea if God doesn't and you do it in the flesh and try to do it and, and are miserable in it. Physical has a part in love. And we're gonna, I have a question here about sex. We'll talk about that a little later. There's, a, there's a, a spiritual dimension, a psychological, and a physical. What happens in too many young adult relationships or too many relationships, period, is that that gets flipped around. And if the physical takes priority, then you really don't get to know the person. You're, you're, you're waiting till you can get your paws on her, and, and you're not thinking about this person and relating together, communicating together, expressing love in other ways other than the physical, and so it blindsides you. So you want the physical, perhaps, to have a place, but it doesn't have a prominent place so that it takes away, it ruins it. And that's why many of us here, perhaps most, have stories to tell of relationships that didn't go well. Probably the physical had a lot to do with it. I was going to say precautions are very important, and also timing. You know, I think uh, we have just recently, uh, you've written something about this, Paul, but uh, not just because you've got your ring, you know, doesn't mean necessarily, okay, well, now we're almost married. It's it's a time that you you want to be even more cautious, and and so uh, then we just separated. Well, actually, I I l- had to leave anyway, so <laughs> it worked out so that we we could write letters and uh, you know learn to communicate that way. In fact, speaking and when of we that, kissed, our feet didn't leave the floor. <laughs> I'm glad yours didn't. Huh? I'm glad yours didn't. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yes. Okay, that was funny. Um, <laughs> I have two questions I want to put together. Um, how does one best deal with awkwardness of what other people think upon entering or in relationship? And uh, I, I wrote down here, don't jump to conclusions. And that would... Um, lead to the the next question because uh, it says how how do you um, what do you do during fights okay sometimes people don't even fight before they get married because you have a short uh, short relationship as far as being engaged and uh, so uh, the thing is People start reading each other's faces, at least I do. Maybe women do more. But you can say, what What did you mean by that? I saw that your eyebrow was, you were frowning. What did you mean? What? I ha- That's just my normal face. What? Uh, and uh, so that can get tricky. And then you said, I, and you, besides, I, I can hear that tone in your voice. You know, and so um, I think in, in a relationship, too, uh, you can just start thinking all sorts of thoughts like, oh, I'm, I'm sure they just were look. I, I could tell they were just looking right here that my hair wasn't quite right or I could see where the eyes were. They weren't paying attention to me. Or um, So y- there, it can be awkward, but that's okay. If your confidence is in the Lord and you say, I, I feel the Lord is in this and I am stepping forward and we're going to have a conversation here We're going to learn how to communicate. And, in fact, the communicating is what helps in fights. Right, Paul? And uh, someone mentioned learning things at home. Well, I did learn uh, some communicating at home. Learning how to fight with siblings is a good way to practice. And... uh, and or with parents, like any, has anybody ever had a fight with their parents? I'm sure not. I'm sure not in this group, but <laughs> I'm sure we've had something that's close to that. Where one of you, and it might have to be you, to go first to say, you know, I, I am sorry. I, I, part of this was my fault. I, even if you can't 
maybe own up to all of the part that was your part. That's a good start to, to learn that. And Paul and I learned, as we were saying, you know, when I said what books, and I was trying to be very spiritual and holy and say the Bible. Well, of course we all know that's a good book. And not saying that we did not. We, we read books together beforehand and afterwards. And women, I'll tell you, like marriage books uh, and read a little bit more than guys. And uh, so, you know, I still like to look at books and underline or uh, say, Paul, by the way, this part is really good. <laughs> and and could we talk about this? Um, and we women tend to talk more, and we can be a little bit uh, more concise. But what we did in this one fight we had at early on, usually guys will tend to walk away. And I was more from a family where we were more verbal. So I was verbalizing, and my tone of voice was getting a little bit maybe too much. And my husband here, I think that was the very first time you raised your voice at me, and I was so startled, and he was even startled, that we both started laughing. <laughs> laughing. <laughs> Didn't we? You remember? Remember? And we thought, oh, we communicated, <laughs> because we had both you know, clashed a little bit, and properly, I mean, there it was something to talk about. Uh, so since then, I've used uh, time. Sometimes you need a little space, and sometimes you need to write a note and say, I'm sorry. Sometimes you just talk on the phone. So creative ways, you know, and do not let the enemy bonk you on the head and say, yeah, now, now you really, well, you might as well give up. You're, you're, you're a mess. So that's what the enemy wants, but we say, thank you, Lord. You help us with creative ways to, to communicate. Cool. I have two that are similar. Um, what is the balance of waiting on the Lord's timing for a future spouse and putting yourself out there? How do you stay encouraged in the season of waiting? And how do you know you're ready to start dating again? Um, so a little bit about me, I um, about my story. I dated a girl for four years, um, starting in high school, um, sophomore year of high school, sophomore year of college, um, and then she dumped me, um, and that was awesome. I mean, it was horrible, but it was so good for me, so good for me, and that's really when um, God became the center of my life. Um, And then um, after my junior year, I met a girl at camp, and we started dating, and it was pretty serious. She actually moved to Moorhead, where I was going to school, lived with some friends so that we could figure us out. And then I ended up breaking up with her um, that spring um, after like seven months of dating. So two very real, very intentional um, relationships. And then um, two and a half years after that, I just started dating um, the girl I'm dating now um, just a, a couple months ago. So I've, I've been there, you know, in these in-between seasons um, in, in very different places um in one sense being very you know hurt and broken um and kind of you know in this time of wondering and waiting um you know also um not being quite as as hurt and broken i mean still you know still hurt but i'm a little more solid um and and waiting for even longer period of time and again there's no rule there's no law for it um but i feel i feel like you know when you're healthy and when you're not. Um, and if you don't know, then you seek your friend's counsel to find to see if um, you feel like you could relate in healthy ways um, or if you're just jumping into a relationship because you feel the need to be needed um, or um, you know, are, are relating out of insecurity or anxiety um, or fear of being alone rather than um, relating out of wholeness and a genuine desire just to connect with an individual um, and, and engage with them. So it's, a, it's an individual thing um, when, when you're ready, but I think it has to do with personal wholeness um, and, and health. Um, now, I, I personally think that oftentimes, we talked about it last week, the way that we often approach dating is too serious, far too serious. And now, how I choose to relate and how you choose to relate 
to anyone you should take seriously okay but you know when you start like getting to know someone um or even you know when you start you know dating someone um we we don't need the pressure on oh you are going to be my future spouse no you're dating because you're figuring that out you're getting to know each other you're relating in in good healthy ways right that that spiritual emotional physical that paul's talking about i've done it backwards and you know all sorts of different ways um and it's so true that it just skews with our perception and the wholeness of like how that relationship works and how our communication works and and all those different things um so again it's a it's an internal thing um and then you just wait until there's someone you think that you're genuinely interested in and you start getting to know them and you find out Um, we've seen the same question come by several times. (laughs) It's, um, how do you know, uh, when you're ready to be married or how do you know, like that the person you're with is the person to marry? Um, I don't know if there's real, like straightforward, well, one, two and three, and you're good. (laughs) But, um, I, first of all, wanted to point back to what Dan was saying about getting someone else involved. I think what helped me come to the conclusion I obviously did was um, talking to people who have been around longer than I have and are able to to speak uh, words of wisdom and and things like that. So um, just kind of get um, a perspective outside of your own head because you can mull something over and over and over and over and over again and get absolutely nowhere. But when you bring other people into the conversation that's just going on inside your head, you get a lot more perspective into it and you can come to conclusions a lot more easily. Um, So, yeah, I'll let that be a continuing question here. Sure. Uh, One of the things that really helped us too is um, going through a list of questions, actually, it was kind of like a well, where where do we start with this thing? We we know we kind of like each other. We've um, spent some time just in groups and hanging out, and Ryan was very very intentional about doing that for the first couple months of just hanging out, and it was getting together with roommates and friends and church members, and um, then it was like wow, we we spent a week together of hanging out, just not intentionally, it just happened, and we kind of like each other and had that conversation and he was very upfront with a couple of things and I was very open with a couple of things as well of past and life and things like that and one of the one of the questions I had was when when uh, should you start praying uh, with that significant other and I think that night that we talked we prayed a little then and uh, one of the other times that we prayed was um, you know I, I just remember those moments um, that was another question that I had of what what is that significant um, thing that you remember uh, with your significant other? And just praying with uh, Ryan was really important to me. I'll never forget that. These are good questions, guys. Um, The question I have here is, if you didn't know if God loved you, would you still choose to enter into a romantic relationship? And my answer to that is absolutely not. I think you have to figure that out first because if you don't know where you stand with God, there's two very different paths you could go on and you want your significant other to be standing with you. And um, sometimes I'll have to come share my testimony, but there, it, part of it, I was 18 years old and I was laying in bed and I had this vivid, felt like God was talking to me. You need to learn to love me first. And so that was my goal. And you better believe it. I just, I woke up, I read my Bible thinking, I'm going to fall in love with God because I didn't love him yet. And it took me years and I, it stuck in my mind. I need to learn to love God first. I need to get that right first. And I would just say that for all of you guys, get that first. Is everyone doing good? Yeah. All right. We're getting nervous up here though. Yeah. <laughs> Two questions about sex. Sex is God's idea. It's not Satan's idea. It's not that Satan is overly passionate. It's that Satan is just the opposite. He depersonalizes sex so that a woman becomes an object, a, a mechanism for 
men's lust. So uh, we're not trying to, to play down sex. It's right in the first two chapters of the Bible. Chapter 1 and chapter 2. It's very important. Sex. I read something uh, many years ago. They did a study of different groups in the church and uh, as opposed to the world. And this study, and I can't remember it, but it said that evangelicals have the best sex life. I think a lot of that has to do with trust. Karen and I trust each other implicitly. There's no, no shred of doubt. Never, never has been, never will be. That affects the kitchen, that affects the, the bedroom, that affects every room, the trust. And so where you are loving God, it's likely, unless there, there's some things that have to be dealt with in your life, uh, emotional areas like sexual abuse that came up, that this this part of your life, sexual, uh, will will be a a joyful, a prominent, a, an important part of your marriage. And I like to talk about sex. In fact, in my blog, I think I've written three articles so far, just about sex, and the importance of of seeing that in a really good way. So this person asked something where we objectify it too much, where the the girl becomes the object. It's interesting, in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul says uh, that for a woman's body doesn't belong to herself, it belongs to her husband, and then he reverses that. So it's mutual, that sex is supposed to be enjoyable for both. Now the reality is that women seem to, to have a stronger relational bent than guys, and so uh, women want that connection and I would say uh, more so the physical aspect of sex uh, may be more prominent in men than in women whereas, whereas the women are more prominent in terms of the, the, the whole relation the whole context of it however it is definitely mutual and uh, a woman isn't an object for a man's pleasure. There's so many. We probably won't get through all these questions. Which ones do I pick? Um, well, there's... Yeah. Got it, Karen. <laughs> I had to fight before. Oh, that, that just tells you I, there is a little fight in me. Depending on your birth order, um, you know, in, in relationship, it's a good idea to, s- to know a little bit beforehand. In our case, we didn't realize that some people say, oh, firstborns should never marry each other. Well, hello. Did they know that in the Old Testament in years past? Did they have all these studies? You know, how to be, how to know exactly if you are exactly meant for each other. Well, it's, it's something you work out with the Holy Spirit. And yes, uh, it's not, you know, it's not that um, when you have fights, most likely because our brains are completely different. Like he was saying, women, and I mentioned earlier, love to talk and talk about relationship and how, how are you feeling? What do you think? So there can be problems, but God, you know, made us this way on purpose, created us to work things out. So thank you, Lord. You're in charge and you help us out. Amen. So how have you kept God first through dating slash being single? I don't, I mean, I don't know. It's, I I mean, I really feel that if you can't put him first d- single, then you can't put him first when you're married. Um, yeah, it'd be pretty, it'd be pretty difficult. I've, um, I've been thinking a lot lately, um, 
as I've been dating um, right now and just viewing other relationships and marriages, how easy it is to set a norm. You set a standard for everything, for how you spend your time, how you communicate, what you communicate about, how you handle conflict, how you handle spiritual things, how you pray together. You know, that was a question earlier. You set all of these standards that become harder and harder to break out of the mold um, the farther you go. So if you set a standard in your life as a single person um, for, you know, spending time with God, seeking his presence, you know, reading the word, being in fellowship with other people, that's going to fit naturally in, and it's going to be one of those really a, a quality and a requirement for you in, um, you know, a relationship that you enter into, especially a marriage that you enter into. If you don't have that established now and you think, oh, it'll be easy when I'm married, nah. Chances are um, your, your priority in that other person um, won't be there, and so they won't really have that same um, integrity uh, of individual independence and dependence on God. And so when you come together, the problem is not going to get resolved. It'll probably um, you know, become an even bigger issue. And so how have I like, practically done that? Hanging out with friends, talking, discussing, going to, to worship, reading going to conferences, you know, just, just living, you know. Um, there, there is, there's, no, there's no inadequacy when you're single. You're still a person and a child of God, um, and you are in union with God, and we can either participate in that or we don't need to, um, and, and we will reap consequences either way, either positive or negative. Um, another question, kind of a heavy one. Would you forgive a potential future romantic partner of any sin from his or her past, even murder, rape, molesting another, and still desire that potential romantic relationship to go further on? Has everyone ever heard all sins are equal? It's not true. It kind of is. It's true in the sense that we, whether we've lied um, lusted in our hearts, been angry or murdered, we're all in need, right? We, were, we all fell short of the glory of God. But not all sins have the same natural consequence in life. Um, you know, me having, you know, gossiping about someone does not have the same ramifications as me killing someone. Me being angry with someone does not have the same ramifications as me going out and killing someone. Now, in the, in the realm of forgiveness, I believe that we can, um, in seeing Jesus, have a, a normal perspective of seeing people as they are, as new creations in the Lord, um, where they are completely forgiven. But what we don't overlook is the, those natural consequences of sin that, that maybe they're still dealing with. Wounds, you know, um, insecurities, fears, um, you know, depression, things that, you know, was caused that, you know, we're not necessarily holding it against them, but but they're still dealing with it, and then would make a relationship pretty difficult. Um, now, there are, God is so good in the redeeming business that he, he's done it a million times, and I believe he's still doing it, that where people who have um, sinned in ways that have brought big consequences in, in the natural world and life are whole and healthy and have gone, gone through and, and are whole and healthy and so then, if that's the case, then, then I think that it, you, you can pursue um, further connection. Does that make sense? Cool. All right. I had a question of how um, – what was it exactly? Let's see here. Um, one of the main elements of marriage is to – nope, that's not the one that I was going to answer. <laughs> All right. How important is relationship with your in-laws when it comes to getting married? And what are some of the ways that you can overcome those obstacles? For me, that is a very important thing. I feel like when you marry a person, you're also marrying that family. Um, And I, when I first met Ryan's family and had dinner with his mom and brothers and sister, brother and sister, I fell in love. I was, that was the first time that I was like, wow, I could actually see myself like really, really, truly. Cause I, I saw where he came from. I saw what he grew up with and I fell in love with that because they are great people as well. Um, likewise. likewise. Um, yeah. So I think as far as the obstacles, 
there's always going to be obstacles. Um, you experience them with your family. You're going to probably experience them with your future spouse's family as well. And probably just deal with it the same way that you have and learn new ways to communication is good and being patient and understanding those are good things yeah and just to tack on a little bit onto that it's not to say that like if if the person you're dating doesn't have a perfect family or something like that it's a deal breaker like that that's kind of ridiculous because nobody has a perfect family both of our families have flaws um what's what's important is to recognize those things that will be i should stand up shouldn't i (laughs) um recognize those things that will be hardships in your relationship and be able to have them as a a base for discussion um that will likely be ongoing throughout your whole life um as you know you, you start to deal with those as real consequences of of your childhood so yeah, being aware of those things is a huge, huge thing. Um, the another question I had was um, it very long, <laughs> um, so I'm going to summarize it. It was basically about um, the various books on um, courting versus dating, and um, just the way that uh, the standards of of dating vary so differently from courting and um that dating can be so unhealthy and destructive in so many ways um and that uh it poses the question at the end should courting not be the standard for christians um and if not why um that's kind of tough and i kind of like what paul said um about um when we're talking about kissing before dating that he was glad nobody jumped out and put down a standard um yeah yeah kissing before marriage (laughs) yeah (laughs) good qualifier there (laughs) um that uh it's the the difference to me this is something i've thought about and and especially mentioning uh jim anderson the um book unmasked he talks on that a little bit about um courting and why he believes that more people should do that and i think a big thing behind that is that we use dating as a way to uh a lot of times we use dating as a way to um kind of make sure someone's perfect or like i don't know feel good about it you know before making a commitment and i think um the point that gets me about courting versus dating is that uh, courting has so much more of an emphasis on commitment and making a choice and sticking to it, which is, I think, what the biggest part of dating is lacking, is just being able to make that commitment and stick to it. Um, and that was a big thing for me in deciding to, or when when it was right to propose to Audra, that like I had to be sure that I was ready to make that choice. Like that was a question that went over and over again in my head because it wasn't a, like a, I don't know, typical way you think of dating or like, oh, we'll just kind of end it if it doesn't work out, you know. So I think that's what courting has as a as a good strong point. It focuses on the choice and that action being permanent. So as far as setting a standard, I don't know if you can really do that because I think each person is individual and and i don't know it's it's kind of tough to set a standard on things like that but definitely good things to to think through um and just go over in your head yeah all right well a lot of these are asking how do you stay happy um when everybody else is dating or I like this one. So I'm going to read it. Help. I'm jealous. My roommate is dating and all they talk about is that. that. Meanwhile, I'm not dating anyone. Um, So just a little bit about that. There are actually neurotransmitters that get released when you're meeting somebody that makes being with that person as addictive as cocaine. Like it's, it's just very enjoyable. That's all you want to talk about. And so just knowing that and understanding that, can be helpful for other people and then knowing that when you're going through it and remembering okay not everybody else wants to hear about 
every little detail. Um, so I think you need grace on both sides. Um, but but for me, I think I mentioned last week that I like to pray for people, pray for relationships, and then I get really happy when they get a relationship because then you can say, ah, God answered my prayer. You have a part in it. And so I would just say, pray for people, pray for your roommates, pray for your friends that things will go well for them. And then for people who are in relationships and that's what you want to do because you're addicted to it. Remember, you need your friends. You need your communities around you. So invest you know, in other people other than the person you're dating. And there's so much fun stuff to do when you're single. You can just go places and do things and hang out with tons of people. I I love the freedom to just call up family and be like, you know, and find out what they're doing and go, you know, on weekends and to to go on little trips or long trips. You know, a summer ago, I I went to Brazil for two months because I could, you know, and I mean, obviously, that's not like feasible for everyone, but just the, the freedom and taking advantage, again, of the season that you're in and living in it and experiencing it. Um, and not getting owned by your circumstances, but but taking an ownership, you know, of life in the moment, connecting with the people that are around you, engaging and learning, um, and and growing in all the areas and aspects of life. How short is too short to get engaged, or to be engaged, moving toward marriage? Any opinions? Jesus is engaged to us, and this is a long engagement. There's a wedding coming up, and that's a long one. Karen and I, we prefer short engagements. And the reason is that that it's implied by some people that when you're engaged, you have more freedoms, and I say you have less freedoms. The purpose of engagement is to promise the other person you're going to meet him at the altar. And at that point, you should spend less time together because you've got, you got a wedding to get ready for. You've got a marriage. You've got a life to get ready for. So you should probably work two jobs if you can. Jesus has gone to get things ready for us. He's working. He's getting things ready. So engagement means now you work on it. So Karen and I did not spend five hours, five, five uh, nights together ever. We pro- at the most probably three, but typically about two because we were getting ready for a marriage and we were going to meet at the altar. So the pressure was off us. We prefer a short engagement uh, once, once it's determined because then it doesn't put pressure on the physical that can append things. And oftentimes it was with friends or, or family and we did put... Uh, you know, had boundaries. That's really important. I mean, what else? You know, oh, what what's the matter with being in a car in a dark alley in a? Well, enough said. You know, I, uh, yeah. Just the it's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I when I s- started dating Shatera, um, one time she invited me to go with a group of friends to go up north to see um, the Northern Lights. And I, I told her, I said, nope. I said, I don't make a habit of staying up late with pretty girls. I said, and, and you know, flattered her and just, you know, wooed her all at the same time. She's like, yeah. He said, no, you know, that was good. And, and at, the start, at the start of, you know, us dating, me saying, you know, no to, you know, certain times of hanging out or, you know, certain periods of time were like big wins, just really big wins um, for that. Um, two questions that are sim- kind of similar, but opposite at the same time, um, is what qualities do you find compelling when deciding to ask a girl out or to get to know her better? And then any advice, I don't know if I should be the one to answer this one, but any advice to a girl who often feels overlooked by guys in the church? Um, I th- I mean, there's, there's, I mean, obviously many factors that play into it, and everyone's different, but freedom for me is huge. Um, to see someone um, that is, is free in themselves um, and in the Lord and with other people is very attractive. And so, um, 
you know, if you feel, you know, overlooked, um, you know, try, um, you know, talk, like work, work through with other people um, to come to a place where you're not relating um, with guys in order to, to get attention or you're not relating um, in order to like posture yourself in a certain way um, to look a certain way. If you be you and if you, you know, establish yourself in the freedom of the Lord, that is going to draw someone to you. Um, and that should be the focus, um, not even doing it for the sake of, of finding that a- attraction or getting that attention from someone, um, but because it's, it's, you know, just the, the fullness and wholeness for you and the Lord, better for, better for life. Um, it's just a better way of living. But ultimately, if, you are, if you're free, um, guys, girls alike, that, that is going to be what, you know, attracts someone to you, I think. Um, at least that's what I find um, very attractive. Um, one other thing that I, that I want to hit briefly, I'm done with my questions, is is the power of choice um, and to understand um, the, the power of, of choice and to take ownership. Um, and in my life, I've made good decisions relationally and I've made bad decisions relationally. And whether at the moment I wanted to admit it or not um, or own that decision, eventually I had to take an ownership and I had to say, yeah, I chose that. I, I'm, you know, to not be a victim. Um, Paul talks a lot about being a victim. To not be a victim to circumstance or a victim to this other person's desires or wishes. Um, but to say, no, I chose it. I chose it for dumb reasons. You know, and it was dumb for me to choose it and it had negative consequences. But I chose it. Um, and it was bad. Or I chose it. And it was good. Um, ultimately, um, there is this big push in terms of of dating, which is, I think, where the even the courting question uh, might co- stem from, is just you know taking it seriously um, and taking a, a relationship seriously. I think one of the um, one of the the, the, the traps um, in relationships is thinking, oh, if I can communicate well once, it'll smooth the road for the rest of all the future communication you know problems that come up. Uh, it doesn't work that way. Um, you know, if I, you know, resist temptation, you know, physically once, it'll just be easy the whole road. And that's not what self-control is. Self-control is deciding continually, time and time again. And if you do it once and you, and you choose, you know, self-control, you know, or good communication, you know that you can choose it again. But you're still going to have to choose it again. Um, and ultimately, I think that, that marriage, you know, when you get married, it's not, I don't think that all of a sudden it makes love super easy. Um, you know, but it's but you ultimately marry someone who you say, I can choose, I choose to continually choose to love this person day in and day out. And if I can if I can feel like I can make that decision that I continually want to choose them through life, you know, that I think that that's ultimately what can make a good marriage choice. All right. We're going to answer this question together. What do you think is one unexpected burden that comes with marriage? You want to start? <laughs> no? Okay. Oh, I thought you had something. Oh, I. Okay. Well, um, living together, it's a whole new world. It's not dating, it's not just being in a relationship. It's a, you know, there's some good things and there's some like, oh, well, you didn't do those dishes, I will. The, you know, laundry, their finances, all of those things you have to decide and do together. It's a team, and it's uh, it's humbling, and it's good, it's serving, but it's unexpected of, of what it actually looks like when you live it out. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 And it can be very humbling. Yeah. In this world, you shall have trouble. <laughs> Marriage <laughs> troubles. <laughs> Um, okay, so this question is kind of similar to Dan's. What qualities would you observe in a guy that would make you interested to say yes and get to know him better? And that's a little, I think there's negotiables and there's non-negotiables. And for me, the non-negotiable is, do you love the Lord? It kind of piggybacks on that other question I answered, is it important to get to know the Lord? Well, for me, I think that's the most important thing about somebody. So yes, very important. And if you want to find somebody good, get that first um and then there's maybe other things but but those are they can come or go i think also just observing how somebody lives their lives and how they're 
you know, I think you can forgive a past, but the past also kind of paints a picture of who this person is and how they live their life and how they prioritize things. So I think just observing the world around them and how they've kind of put things together is a, a key piece of information as well. Here are a couple of tough ones. Divorce. How does one heal from a past divorce? Should a divorced person remarry? How should a divorced person move forward with relationships? I'd like to I'd like to deal with that person or those people personally on this matter. Uh, I'll just give some uh, principles, overall principles. Uh, marriage is guarded. Jesus guards marriage by saying. Uh, what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. He, it's, it's very strong. So God hates divorce, the Bible says. It, it doesn't mean God hates divorced people, but God hates divorce. And what it does to the foundational uh, societal institution, marriage and family, so divorce uh, breaks into that. We never heard the word divorce in our family until my sister got divorced from a pastor. It was shocking. It was grievous. It, was, it tore her apart, of course, and four children. So divorce is a, a terrible thing. There are, in Scripture, some... Uh, some stipulations regarding remarriage when a person has the freedom to remarry. If a person divorces someone else for an unbiblical reason, it's my understanding that they're not free to get remarried. Now that may sound harsh. Jesus is not just speaking to the individual. He's speaking about the whole institution. Because if you have people freely, willingly leaving a husband like you do in Hollywood then getting married again, leaving another husband. If you have that, you break down family to the point that it hardly exists anymore. And you have a society where children don't have a father because it's broken down so much. So it's more important to think about the institution simply than the individual. I feel for someone who is single and not getting remarried uh, if they desire to be remarried, I'd want to talk to them and say, under these circumstances, I would not feel free to to take part in your remarriage, or I may, depending upon what the situation was. If it was my sister Ruth situation, I'd say you're free to be remarried. He was a jerk. He he uh, went outside the boundaries of marriage. I would say he's not free to remarry, but he did. The other one is similar to this. What about sexual abuse and how does that person heal? Uh, divorce, uh, divorce tears a person up and so does sexual abuse. One of the best gifts that you can give to a potential marriage partner is health, spiritual and emotional health. None of us is healthy. One of the healthiest things about a healthy person is that they know they're not healthy. That's good to know that we're all crazy. We all got areas of, of idiosyncrasies. But we do another person a favor by getting as healthy as we can, all things being equal. And so where there has been sexual abuse, I would sure encourage that person to do whatever they can. We have people here that have dealt with that, counselors that could uh, help you come to a place of freedom because there's so much of it. There's way more sexual abuse than you and I are aware of. Many in this room were sexually abused. So understanding that, we really have to do our part as a community to help people who have been abused, who have who didn't have a good marriage because it, it wasn't modeled for them. They didn't know how to relate to someone else, and it ended in a, a terrible divorce. This has been wonderful, hasn't it? Hasn't it, this, want to give them a hand?
Yeah, and good job on the questions. Sorry we didn't get to all of them. You'd m be more than welcome if we didn't get to a question that you asked and it's burning in your heart just to come up to one of us and ask us that question. As you know, Karen and I pray a lot for uh, singles and for marrieds. We pray for people to find their mate because if, you're, if you don't want to live a single life, you're probably not called to it. You're called to marriage. And the way that we're functioning with uh, an, a, a young adult culture, I don't like the phrase young adult. Why don't I like it? You're an adult. You're not a young adult. You're an in-between. If we say young adult, we're saying kind of in-between, not really an adult, but you're on the way to becoming an adult. No, you're an adult. So I, I wish Jewish we didn't. Culture, they started when they were 13. Yeah. 13. Yeah. And there, there's rites of passage in more primitive societies where you become an adult, you become a man, you become a woman. So uh, we put people at a disadvantage by holding off until they enter into that next stage. So we're, we're praying for you. Do, do agree. Both Karen and I were happy as singles and we're happy as marrieds. So we know it's possible. I was 31 when I got married. It's happy to be uh, uh, a solid single, contributing to the life of the community, to the church, and it's possible to be a married person. I'm glad for the marrieds that are able to stick around and, and uh, give, give input to us from that side of it as well. So I'm obviously wanting the mic. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Your, your hand was like... This way, came over this way. Grab it. You're on. I am. Thank you. Um, I just thought we should say a prayer yep. right now. And uh, I, I just enjoyed, too, hearing from everyone. Had such good words of nuggets, including you. Thank you, honey. Paul like Anderson. You said too. Thank you. Um, uh, you know, it's it's really the Lord that we go to and say, Lord, we are seeking after you we want to see your face and so father tonight that is what we're saying is thank you that you have um brought up these questions that we can think about pray about we have we have um hopefully given answers lord that you wanted us to give and uh, in searching the scriptures and knowing who you are lord that is our number one foundational uh, desire to get to know who you are and we know, Father, as we've already mentioned, in this world we will have trials, but when our hearts, as your word says, when our hearts condemn us and we have trials, you are greater than our hearts. And so, Lord, I just wanted to say uh, thank you that you've created us, even though there are times that I say, but why so differently lord <laughs> and i just have to then laugh and say well you're in charge and you had a purpose for us to be different as male and female and father we want to listen to your voice hearing you speak to us how are you calling us to be single to serve you better to be married to serve you better we're listening lord so let's uh, have a time for uh, praying together. If it uh, be good to pray for someone near you, we're just going to spin around and have prayer. Something like this is probably easier to do guys with guys, girls with girls. Sometimes it's good to uh, cross genders. But on this one, why don't we just uh, find a guy, if you're a guy, and uh, pray together. Uh, where your station is, and uh, then did we did we pass out the clipboard for newbies? Okay, so do we have some newbies here tonight? We're going to have a newbie meeting. How many are here for the first time tonight? Do we? Okay. What we like to do is we like to have what we call a newbie meeting. You can't be a newbie every time you come here. You can only be a newbie once, and you're a newbie tonight. And so we get together with the newbie people, and we just talk a little bit together, sometimes pray together. So uh, that'll be upstairs in the living room. Who's going to lead it tonight? 
Okay, Kat's going to lead that meeting. And that's going to happen right as soon as we break here. So you can uh, head that way. Uh, don't be nervous. It's, it's just, uh, just real relaxed, easy going. Okay, good evening. Way to go, people. Let's spin around, find somebody to pray with. This turns into a prayer meeting. We'll have fellowship, plenty of time for it. But right now, it's prayer time.